on what seems like a very important day where we are debating that word transitory as the Fed has promised not to get in the way of the recovery. Does this make the job any harder, this number this morning, to stick by the plan? Not at all. This is exactly what the Fed plan is. And let me introduce another word. Instead of the T word, let me introduce the word price pop. What we just saw in today's release is a classic definition of a supply side bottleneck. Prices are popping up because we just don't, we have so many people wanting to buy cars because the chip shortage is getting used, uh, getting used car prices bid up. Uh, people wanting to get on airplanes is causing airlines to raise fares. Uh, even the restaurant prices have shown some signs of pushing prices up because they just don't have the capacity to open up because of the health restrictions, the ongoing health restrictions. So we have a classic example of prices just jumping, right, to try to fulfill and equilibrate supply and demand. The key for the Fed is what's happening to inflation in the outer years? What's happening to inflation expectations? And as you went over earlier, the, the break-evens are about two and a half for 10 years. But what's interesting is that the break-evens for five-year is about two seven. And the break uh, the five-year five-year, which is the expected inflation rate five years out, five years further out, uh, is a closer to five to 2.3. So we have a downward sloping trajectory for expected inflation it going out the next 10 years, and that's exactly what the Fed wants to see. Inflation expectations remain well anchored around 2%. One of the takes uh, this morning, uh, Michael Ashton put out, I kind of like too, is that it's just such a hot number that clearly there's something unique going on here, right? Very difficult to sustain. So, you know, it's, to me, it doesn't seem like, Bill, really the debate is even about what the Fed's going to do, right? I mean, why would we think that Powell is going to change his mind, right? To me, that's never really been the issue. The issue for investors might be, what the bond market is going to do, even if Powell stays by course. To me, the question here is, what's the risk reward in holding treasury bonds at this point? Which way does it skew? If even we're not gonna hit 0.9 or 0.8 month over month every month going forward, is it gonna reverse enough for me to wanna buy bonds right now? Well, it's, it's a bad bet to buy bonds to begin with because we're at almost near zero interest rates. So the buying bonds is just a holding pattern to see where better to put your money. Uh, and I think the, the, really, the real question that's facing investors out there would be, where among the global uh, uh, bond market can I place my money in the safest manner? A lot of people are resorting to China bonds and emerging market local currency bonds because of that higher yield, but they have to take on sovereign risk, right? I mean, the, the, the Chinese government and the, the war with the U.S. Uh, and, and, and I think here in the U.S., the key is, do I go into credit? So the, the real question would be, how safe are the credit markets? Can they sustain a flow of funds going into them? Because right now, the, the choice is credit or equity. And it seems like most investors are making the choice to go to equity. So, Bill, doesn't sound like you want to own bonds here. For the stock side, you know, it seems like we're going to figure out if it's kind of good inflation or bad inflation, right? And if it's good inflation, then it seems like there's a lot of companies that would like that message about recovery. But if yields are going higher, are we still going to have complications for tech? Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things about good inflation is that it, it, it is a price level jump that equilibrates the immediate excess demand and, and the insufficient supply. The, the, it would be turned into bad inflation if somehow the, the, the input prices and, and output prices uh, can't uh, go up enough in a way that preserves gross margins. And what we've seen so far is that regardless of what we've seen in, on, the, on the input side, companies have become more productive 
And also, they've been able to raise prices just enough to be able not only to preserve their gross margins, but exceed expectations. And I think that's the one thing that we learned in the last earnings period. Almost every company in the S&P 500 has come in with better than expected earnings. And I think that's the indication that we've got great inflation going on. Hmm. Bill, what's the role of the dollar here? Uh, is it dollar uh, up, good inflation, dollar down, bad inflation? Is it that simple or is there, uh, you know, just this web of, of complications and figuring out the dollar? Because if we go down in stocks enough, then do people buy the dollar as a safety trade? I mean, what's the role of the dollar here? And again, I have to come back to that distinction between a price level jump uh, which equilibrates immediate uh, uh, imbalances of supply and demand and continuing inflation. If it's continuing inflation, which I doubt, in fact, we have continuing disinflation because of the secular trends that were going on pre-COVID, that means the dollar is in a fantastic position because this is the place where productivity is the highest and, and investment opportunities are the greatest. So people from around the world are gonna wanna throw their money into the United States. The key would be to contain these price pops in a way that allows companies to enhance their productivity and uh, improving investments. The biggest threat to investors out there would be a rise in the corporate tax rate because that restrains people from investing. And what we need now is more investment in productivity saving uh, investments that allow companies to be more productive, raise gross margins without raising prices. And in fact, by having more investment in more productive companies, what we'll find is that wages will be able to rise at historically high levels as they've been, like close to 3%, uh, which is the highest pace that we've been uh, pushing up wages uh, in the last decade. Bill, is there uh, going to be a need for investors and traders to separate what's good for the economy and what's good for the market. I know that you've made the case here that ultimately in the long run, some of these big tech companies will enjoy some of these dynamics that are taking place. But in the short term, when we're down 40 bips right now in the 10 year future, uh, it looks like tech's gonna have some problems in this short term. But uh, you know, all the things we're describing here, wage increases, uh, uh, the potential kind of thinning of some of that gap between the high end and the low of income earners. I mean, it seems like there's some good things happening here. We have to keep our, our, our head around lots of good things. Yeah, investors have to keep in mind that when we have a more inclusive economy, the way the Fed has redefined its mandate of maximum employment to not just hit three and a half percent, but make sure that all the people who are marginalized also get employed and opportunities to get jobs. Uh, that's the, a, a, a recipe for raising the growth rate of the economy and profit margins going forward, because what are people going to do? They're going to be shopping Amazon. They're going to be shopping uh, 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 Teslas. They're going to be buying the sort of technological innovations out there that, that are probably the most profit-making over the next five, 10 years. Now, we got to get through the next three months. And I think the key to getting through the next three months mm. is to make sure that investors remind themselves where the source of the gains are coming from. It's coming from productivity. And anything that threatens productivity should be shut down. Mm. One of the things uh, that you're looking at is real output per hour of all persons, a Fred chart that is going up and to the right. And uh, even though wages are starting to go up and to the right, this one's been more consistent. Why? Well, because I think one of the things that we've seen uh, on, on the nominal wage side is that uh, there's been a labor shortage um, as, as people have, have taken themselves out of the workforce. Uh, during the last years of the Trump administration, we saw a, a, a reversal of that. Um, but the, the, the rise in wages that we've seen uh, is accompanying rising productivity. And that allows companies to pay people more 
bring them into the workforce and put them into productive jobs. And I think that the trouble with the economy right now is sorting people into the appropriate jobs. A lot of the changes in the service sector are going about where, where the less skilled workers are not finding jobs anymore because companies have restructured during this COVID period and they've put on technology, they've changed the quality of their output and they need more skilled workers. And the key now is to be able to train and get people into the right uh, and appropriate set of jobs. That's okay. a huge challenge.